Hey there, fellow streakers. How are you today? Jamie and I are excited to talk with you about saying yes to growth. And how do you say yes to growth? Well, obviously, you set streaks. And when you have streaks, that gives you the opportunity to grow in a way that maybe you haven't thought about in the past. We're going to talk about goals and what those are, defining them. We're also going to talk about how you use streaks in order to accomplish goals and ultimately move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. So let's get streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws, make it laughably simple, keep a record, and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. Jamie, I am so excited for our conversation today because of the things that I've learned over 31 years of marriage. Happy anniversary, by the way, next week on August 3rd. I know. Thank you. We're not going to talk about all the things we've learned in the last 31 years, are we? <laughs> we're going to we're going to narrow our focus a little bit, right? Yeah, I think we will. <laughs> however, however, it is a pretty big one as far as what what we've learned. And I, I want to start out by telling telling the story, what it okay. is that we're going to be talking about. Is that all right? Yep. So over the last couple of years, I have um, recognized that I've been doing something that I didn't realize I was doing. And that was, and it came about because of my birthday. And with my birthday, one of the things that I had been doing over several years is blocking people from celebrating my birthday. And there were a whole bunch of reasons as to why. And there's probably a couple of things that you think about as to why I did that. But what I recognized is I was doing it in a way, very skillfully, to make it appear as if I wasn't blocking, and we're going to get into what accept versus block is, but it made it appear as if I wasn't blocking, but I really was, and it caused a whole bunch of contention and tension every time it came up to my birthday, or another one was Father's Day, mm -hmm. and I've recognized that there was some things that I was doing in the name of selflessness that were really not selfless. Interesting. Jeff, let's do share. <laughs> Sometimes so I feel like, all right, let's talk about this. <laughs> okay, so first of all, it started off very, um, I think it started off with recognizing an area that that as a child, like kind of an area where you were transitioning from being a child to becoming an adult. Right. Um, as a child, you loved Christmas and you loved getting presents very much. So like I remember our very first Christmas together and we were at your parents' house and we were sleeping in the bedroom in the basement and I woke up in the middle of the night and you weren't there and I wandered around the basement and you weren't there. And so I went upstairs and I literally find you in the middle of all the Christmas presents with a flashlight like picking them up and shaking and reading the tags to find out which ones were yours. Guys, I am a child at heart, just so you know. Yes. That is exactly And I where remember I was. thinking, huh, I didn't know this about him. And so through the years, we had a couple Christmases that you 
kind of transitioned from this child of what am I going to get to a very memorable Christmas for me where I had asked for a few things for the kitchen and you had just had a ball shopping for stuff for our kitchen and and getting me all kinds of... Prior to that was a Christmas in Pittsburgh where we were with um, my sister and it was not a good Christmas for me. You were disappointed. I was disappointed because... It was not your traditional big get Jeff tons of presents Christmas. (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) Aren't I just such a small person? (laughs) No, I really do look back at that and think it was that transitioning from child, you know, Christmas is about what I'm getting to adult more thinking and i remember the christmas that i got you everything that was excited because you had wanted a couple of things for the kitchen and and i I just just asked for it and you went you had so much fun fun. and from that point on you really it was like the first time that you really just understood that the joy of giving Mm -hmm. just totally giving and i think from that stemmed this this idea of okay i don't ever want to think about what i'm getting ever again i only want to focus on what i'm giving yeah which is great, except that it did turn into, okay, I don't want anything for Father's Day and I want anything for my birthday. And Well, there was a little bit more to Father's Day, though. I yes, think we have to let was. him know on that. I, yeah. I don't think that we could just throw that out there without giving a little bit more flavor on that one. Fine. Father's Day happens to fall a little bit around my birthday. Fall a little bit around your birthday? Sometimes it falls on my birthday. It's usually your Father's Day and your birthday. It's within the same week always. Yes, always. And occasionally, like every six or seven years, is that right? It falls on my birthday. And this one particular birthday, and I don't remember why, but it was a tough birthday for me. So I'm just going to say it's because I was probably pregnant and emotionally unstable um, at the time. Anyway, I thought that I would be okay with celebrating Father's Day and my birthday, but I wasn't. And I ended up putting up a big stink about not being able to share my day very well with you. I'm embarrassed to even say this. Can we talk about you again? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that that really solidified in your mind, we're not going to celebrate Father's Day. It is always Jamie's birthday. Right. That's what that's what that that's week is. Let's that's ignore Father's Day. Yeah. And... And what has happened is that that event of my birthday and Father's Day that I had a, you know, minor meltdown, minor meltdown. It was not big of a deal. It was a big deal. Um, (laughs) For years afterwards, we would kind of have this conflict over that because of that one event that had really solidified in your mind. You had felt badly. I felt terrible afterwards because once the day was over and the volatility of the emotion was gone, I was like, oh my gosh, I was being so immature. And, but it had happened and, and it had solidified in your mind. So what it for Father's Day. Right. So what had started to happen with me is I looked at it and said, okay, we'll just celebrate her birthday. I will be the selfless one. Mm -hmm. I will be magnanimous and make sure that she gets her birthday every year and we'll just ignore Father's Day. And that caused a lot of tension because you felt badly about it. Yeah, I felt and, like a schmuck every Father's Day. And w- well, but what what was I doing though? I wasn't allowing forgiveness, mm-hmm. and I was blocking. But I was doing it in the name of self righteousness and selflessness. Mm-hmm. Look at me, and and I wasn't even saying look at me. I was just like, no, we're not going to celebrate it. We're mm-hmm. not going to do it. And it made everyone feel uncomfortable. Everyone in the family. It did. We and, kind and of it was, had. A... I mean, that continued on for 10, 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Just a small a, moment. It was a long, drawn out learning experience. So I guess so we're when back you say, to talking about me again. So I guess, and, and I guess when you say what we've learned over 30 years of marriage, I'm like, yeah, it's taken us 30 years to learn these things. <laughs> it has. 
what I recognized is this idea that you can block people from being able to repent or to but through non-forgiveness or you can block them from being able to grow so, or we could block our relationship from being able to grow. So talk about where you where this accepting versus blocking came from cuz this is a more recent thing like in the last couple of years that we've really started yeah recognizing and talking about this. When I, so I have a streak to read at least one paragraph in a nonfiction book daily and that's led me through many different avenues of different books that I've really enjoyed. One of the books that I read was Dan Pink, To Sell as Human. In other words, everyone who is a human sells at some point in time, whether that be for your job, whether that be for a grant, a piece of paper that you, or a paper that you need to turn in, a university application, no matter what, at some point you are going to have to sell either yourself, a product, or a service. Do you agree with that? I do now. When we first started talking about this, it made me uncomfortable because because I because I don't like sales particularly it's not it's not one of my fortes right. or strengths but as we've talked about it I thought I love that what he was trying to communicate in this book is that it's like sales isn't a bad word or a bad thing it's something we all are participating in in some form or fashion and so recognizing that and and acknowledging it and being like okay well I need to I would like to improve on that then. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to become a professional salesperson. Well, I've but recognizing s- that I think you are a professional salesperson. Let me tell you how. I've seen you sell our children on things they absolutely did not want to do. I remember Ace did not want to go to Puerto Rico. Is that no, where it was? It was the Dominican Republic. Oh, it was the Dominican Republic. Yeah. He did not want to go for a humanitarian uh, building project mm-hmm. that he was going to go. And I saw the mother in you sell that boy. And there was a little bit of dictatorial, you're going, because I can't stand to have you around here anymore. However, you had through persuasive means, not just dicta- just dictatorial means, but through persuasive means, got him and he had one of the most amazing experiences of his life. Mm-hmm. I've seen you sell all of our children on what it is they may want to do. So you're a that professional salesperson. I guess as a mom, I am, mm-hmm. I am when, selling when things often. When you're passionate about it, Mm-hmm. You are persuasive. You will find a way to talk with them and help them to see what the benefits are and why it is they want to do it. That's and then sales. I guess that's true. What is sales? Sales is helping somebody see that there's something that they need of value and that they're willing to trade something of value for that thing that they need. Exactly. In the book, To Sell as Human, he referenced a couple of books to read that would be helpful. One of those books was called Impro. And that's Improvisation for Theater by Keith Johnstone. And that interested me. I was curious as to, I wonder why he was recommending this book in a sales book. And what what I realized is that the reason he recommended this is because improvisation is conversation happening right now, this moment. Mm -hmm. And to be able to be a good improv actor there are certain principles that you adopt into your life in order to become this type of improv actor. Similarly, when you look at sales, you're having spontaneous conversations with people. There are skills and capabilities that come along with sales and certain communication styles that help you to progress the conversation. What really happens, though, is improvisation. I'm trying to find out what it is that you want or need. I'm sharing with you what it is that we have. You're asking me questions about what we have. And we're trying to progress the conversation. 
in improvisation, I came across this one particular principle that's all about progressing the conversation. And it's called accept and block. So let, let me just read a little bit about, and this is in chapter five of the book of Impro. There are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Notice that both have a reward. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's saying one is better than the other. He's just saying that one, yes, adventurous, reward. The other, no, safety, safety. reward. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting to think mm -hmm. about that. And I appreciate that he put it in that way because both have their reward. Right. I think that sometimes we can get sidelined a little bit by saying, well, the, adventure, the adventurous ones are the ones who are the go-getters in life and the no ones are the ones who stay safe right. and aren't. But both have their place, as we'll talk about in a minute. Yes. So he goes on to talk about um, the idea that improvisation is all about being able to accept what someone is giving to you. In other words, the yes, uh, as you go along in the whole improvisation scene. So he talks about blocking and accepting. Blocking is a form of aggression. Isn't that interesting? Mm, okay. I say this because if I set up a scene in which two students are to say, I love you to each other, they almost always accept each other's ideas. Many students do their first interesting, unforced improvisations during I love you scenes. If I say start something to two inexperienced improvisers, they'll probably talk because speech feels safer than action. And they'll block any possibility of action developing. This uh, going on in life, most of us are highly skilled at suppressing action. All the improvisation teacher has to do to reverse this skill uh, is reverse this skill and he creates very gifted improvisers. Bad improvisers block action, often with a high degree of skill. Good improvisers develop action, so forth and so on. And I remember when you were reading this book and the things, because for you, it, it, I picture it as those light bulb moments where there was just all of this, these ideas that were coming to your head as you were reading this book and these connections that you were making. Because I remember going on one particular walk where you're like, I'm starting to see a lot of places where I am blocking, where, where I, and which was interesting for me because for the most part, I would say that you are a person that does embrace yes more often than like you like thinking big, you like thinking um, about that there's no possibilities and all the different places that can, so you say yes to a lot of things and that adventure. So it was interesting for me as we would go on these walks for you to sit and talk about Areas where you're like, I am recognizing that I block here. And then we'd go a couple weeks and then we'd have another conversation about something. You'd be like, okay, I found another place where I where I blocked and I'm working really hard to be mm -hmm. more accepting. Well, we had an experience just the other day. Mm -hmm. We were picking up a trailer and I was, I'm, you know, I, I've pulled a trailer before mm -hmm. and I've had some experience with it. However, not to the level of the individual, the Dave who was fixing our trailer. And so I thought about this accept versus block and I thought I'm going to ask him questions because he knows a lot more about trailers than I do. And honestly, I'm pretty amateur 
in this and you were whole asking trailer. very very um beginner questions too where it's like okay i plug this in here this and he's like yeah you do that and then where do i put the chains right things that and how does he do it how do you twist yes, them up how and, do you yeah you know things I used, you had done before right. but definitely asking how do you do this right and i got some great knowledge and yep. information that was really cool yeah then it came time to pull the trailer out and he said do you want me to to spot you on the way out? Is that what and, it was? Yeah. So and it, immediately I said, no, no, I'm good. Block. Yeah. I immediately, without even thinking about it. And, it. and I thought about it afterward. It really ticked me off <laughs> because I was working so hard on this accepting. Because And you accepted right away. You were like, oh, yeah, that can't hurt at all. And I had said no. And, and I recognized inside of myself that there was ego involved with that. Oh, mm-hmm. I've pulled a trailer before. I could, I could pull this out. You know, somewhat the alpha male wanting to show off a little bit very subconsciously though and had like what you and I talked about what what I done is just said yes I would love for you to help me or yes why don't you spot me what would that what did that hurt to do that you know what I mean and that's one things that we've talked about as we were talking so much and for me it's been really fun to talk with you about this because all of a sudden it's it's like when the teenager learns to drive all of a sudden you notice everything and so learning about accepting and blocking and it was fun that it came from an improv book because there's a couple improvisational shows and I think of comedians that I really enjoy watching and it was really neat to recognize that in order for them to be successful at the things they were doing they had to be so accepting like anything that anybody threw at them for an idea they had to take it and just run with it, no matter how absurd. It, and it can be a little bit, it, when you think about it in comedy, it's, it can be a little uncomfortable because the, the essence of improv is that you don't know the direction that it's going to go. Right. You just accept what is, what is happening. So to take that and then apply it in other things in life has been really interesting for me to look at and think the concept is by accepting the the comedy is able to continue and it can go places that you would have never expected. In life, accepting is, okay, the conversation can continue and I can learn things or have experiences that I never would have even thought about Mm -hmm. because I accepted that and was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure, let's. Interestingly too, when when you walk into a home where there's more accepting than blocking, you feel the difference. When you walk into a home where there's more blocking than accepting, it's tension filled. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he talks about in the book Impro is that when actors shut each other down by blocking, the scene ends very quickly and it's very difficult to work with each other. In fact, tempers flare. And the audience, especially in improvisation, the audience feels very uncomfortable. Yes. You you feel like you're stepping into someone in the middle of someone's fight. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, like, "Uh should we leave and let them work this out? (laughs) So as I look at it, you know, there's homes that I've walked into. And often I've noticed on the father's side that anything a child brings up, it's no, 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 no. And it's simple things or, oh, you can't do that. Total blocking the entire time. And I feel uncomfortable the whole time I'm there. It's interesting because when I was a young mom, I remember reading a book written by a mother that had many children. And it was just kind of one of those books of her giving little tidbits of things that she had learned. And one of the things that she said is she said, I say yes anytime it's possible to say yes. Mm. Like anything that is... And the thing that I took away from that was... 
one, like you said, this intentionality of stopping and being like, well, can I say yes to that? Because it's very easy as a parent to just say no, because you don't have to do anything then. Right. You don't have to, it shuts down the conversation and you're done. Right. There's no action that, so like what you, the paragraph that you read that just said, you know, we shy away from action. Well, no, as a parent means, cool, I don't have to do anything. I'm I'm busy doing this thing. I don't want to look at that right now. And so this idea of her being saying, I would say yes, if it was in any way possible, the answer was yes. Right. I thought about that a lot and and thinking, okay, that. So we watched a movie the other day. I think it's called Yes Day. Yeah, Yes Day. And it's the concept of the movie is that this is exactly what was happening in the movie is the parents were saying no. And the kids were like, you say no to everything. And it's interesting because the mom was like, well, I'm keeping you safe. So the two things that I that we've talked about why we say no is yet because it's safer. It's safer to say no. And two, it's easier to not have to do the action. Right. And and so the whole it's a cute little show. But the whole concept of it is what would a day be like? If the parents said yes to everything the kids could come up with, and they had a few ground rules in the movie, but it was really fun to look at and think of all the adventures. And it taught the, the kind of the culminating part of the movie was that as a family, now they had these shared memories of mm-hmm. these fun experiences that they would have never had because it was easier to say no. I really like how you said, say yes as much as possible, mm-hmm. as much as you possibly as can. As much as you possibly can. And I loved that she recognized Look, there are times that no is the answer because of safety or some other reason. There are times that no. But the idea of looking at it and saying, can I say yes to this? Or even how much of this could I say yes to? Is there a place here? Is there room for yes? Right. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Is there a room for a yes here? And if there is, I'm going to go ahead I'm and give it to I'm going to go it and, and do yeah. it. Because it, it just it lowers the tension. So now bringing this forward to what I was talking about earlier as far as me blocking versus accepting... As he recognized, a lot of people are very skilled at blocking, at making it look as if they're saying yes, when in actuality, it's the no. Mm-hmm. And that was what I got good at. I got very good at saying no to anything that had to do with Father's Day or my birthday. And in a, in a way that was, if you looked in from the outside, it would look as if I was magnanimous and selfless, when in actuality, I wasn't. I was more being, I was not allowing people to repent and I was not forgiving. And so that caused you and I to have a lot of fights mm-hmm. around those special days. Yeah, yeah there was a so lot I'm of sorry. tension there. I'll, 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 I Thank hope you. that you forgive me. Yes. <laughs> and right back at you. <laughs> forgive me. So it's, it's but, been but an for, interesting. But isn't forgiveness, isn't that interesting that forgiveness is a, is a form of accepting Yes. Is accepting and moving forward. It I is. accept your forgiveness. And now I'm not going to hold it against you by being like, we're never going to fa- celebrate Father's Day and we're never going to celebrate my birthday. We're going to focus totally on everyone else because it just makes, makes everyone feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I look at that the part of that acceptance maybe is like gratitude because I feel like, so we just celebrated your birthday last uh-huh. week. And it was a whole different experience. And Was it? Did you feel like I did a better job? And I feel like you were purposely, because the first time that we asked you, like, okay, what do you, what would you like for your birthday dinner? And you're like, ah, I'm fine with whatever. So that, in essence, is a form of blocking. It is. It sounds like it's saying, it sounds I'm like good I'm saying, I'm good with whatever. Whatever you guys whatever want to do for want. me. But it makes it very difficult on your side 
to be able to say, oh, okay, well, what does what, he really want? What does he want? Yeah. yeah. And so it was great. Then you came back. I asked a second time the next day and you came back and you said, you know what I would really love? And you gave me a whole list of all the things you're like, I would like steak and I want, I want those one ranch potatoes with cheese on them. What are those oh, called? Oh, they are so and I'm good. Like, the red, red ranch potatoes. Yeah, they're, they're the red potato. You cut them in half. You put a little bit of ranch over the top of them, cheese, put them in the oven. Super mm, yummy. Mm, mm. Very, very good. Grilled corn on the cob. Grilled corn on the cob. And, and you had a this, lemon you, pie. That was a different recipe that you used for the corn it on the cob. Did you do a little salt and pepper? And yeah, it was really good. You want to know the secret? Yeah. Lots of butter. <laughs> Everything's better it's with butter. butter. <laughs> but, it but it was, was great. Lemon the, pie was awesome. And our daughters were able to look up recipes and and be able to say, oh, we found this great lemon chiffon pie for dad. And we, they were going to make something different first. And you said, actually, I like the chiffons better. Yeah. So we found a recipe. Lemon meringue. Lemon That's meringue I don't gonna... like as much as a lemon chiffon. Right. Yeah. So we were able, but that was super helpful because we knew you liked lemon and we would have made a lemon meringue. And you being so accepting and saying, actually, I really love chiffon. So then we were able to try a whole new recipe. And and we really had a great time as a family enjoying that meal. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like, is you got me gifts, too. And I, I found out what it was that you were going to get me. And that's because we share Amazon accounts and everything else. But what you did is you accepted that and said, okay, well, let's go shop for vinyls together because they got me a record player, which is absolutely awesome. And so another thing, I was like, would you want to come shopping with us? And you're like, yeah, I would love that. And so now we have this whole experience where we took our kids to a store and shopped for vinyl records, which (laughs) never thought would ever happen. Never thought would happen. But we had this whole opportunity to talk about memories and different music that you liked and music that your dad liked. And all of this came because there was an acceptance on all the parts that yeah. now we were able to have it's, these it's, experiences. It's it's sad that I shut that down for so many years. That I that I through my resistance and through my blocking shut that down for so many years. One of one of my favorite moments, just one other thing on the birthday, was when we were folding napkins because we were setting the table and yes. we we're getting it all ready. And and we started to fold napkins together. And my mom pulled out this folding napkin book. I know. She had a whole book on different ways that you could fold napkins. So now all of our so kids we accepted, are involved. We accepted. And we just went forward. I mean, we had no plan to fold mm-hmm. napkins in a certain way. But then all of a sudden we're like, well, we it really is like a family improv where someone's like, oh, I want to fold the napkin in this certain way. And then another person's like, oh, I've seen this way done before. And one person looked up on YouTube and then grandma came in and was like, oh, I've got this book. And she went over. And, <laughs> I know. and what was amazing is she knew right where it was and was able to pull it out. And then everyone's looking. And then pretty soon Bowen, our one with dyslexia, came and was amazing at folding napkins. All the kids were Phenomenal. like, Bowen, do this one, do this one. And so again, here's this whole experience because one person threw out in an improvisational way, hey, we should fold the napkins in some decorative, cool way. You know, it's. And, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, sorry, I interrupted. Well, just you. then we had this whole. Now we have this really neat memory, and honestly, found another great skill that Bowen has. I know napkin folding. So speaking of Bowen and what we've worked with on Bowen, that's another one where you sold Bowen on what he needed to do because you knew that you wanted him to be able to enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. And so shifting gears just a little bit here. As I look at what you were able to do with him, talking about accepting his condition, he has Mm -hmm. dyslexia, and then moving forward, not blocking anything, but searching. And that's a pretty cool story. 
as far as how she found what Bowen needed Mm -hmm. that we have to cover in another podcast. But what I love about how you worked with Bowen and what Bowen does is this whole idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. And I know you've had a real eye on this for quite some time. I mean, you've looked at growth mindset versus fixed mindset, and it's something that has been of great interest to you. It really has been. I think because when I read the book, you know, I do love these moments in life where where you read something and you identify with it and you're able to put words around it and an understanding around it. And then all of a sudden you can start to see it in a whole bunch of different places. And for me, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset gave me words and a structure to understand the difference between the two and be able to categorize and then be like, okay, this is what I want to be. This is what I'm feeling. So in other words, those times that I was like, okay, I have a fixed mindset in this. And recognizing that that the most amazing thing about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset is the essence of a fixed mindset is that it's fixed. It can't be changed. It's just the way things are. Reading that book all of a sudden opens up and blows up this idea of a fixed mindset. You start to, if you're, if you're open, if you accept it, if you're accepting to it, you start to look at it and think the whole idea of, a, of something being fixed is false. So my belief system in that element is false. So it just opens up this whole. And so, so once you, really you start questioning that. that, I mean, that's the thing is you have to be accepting that I have a false mindset. I, maybe what I'm saying to myself or maybe what I believed was true isn't true. And so it's been so fascinating. So I've studied a lot about this. And as I've studied, I've really come to recognize that the way to have to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset is powered by streaking in so many ways. So I found this article, Fixed Mindset versus Growth Mindset, How to Shift to a Path of Learning and Growth. And it has two different, um, just kind of a real quick overview of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is limiting. It avoids challenges. It gives up easily, is threatened by others' success. It desires to look smart. Um, Effort is fruitless. In other words, it's not going to make a difference because it's fixed. So effort's not going to come into play here. I ignore feedback and my abilities are fixed. So those are things that you're telling yourself and that you believe if you have a fixed mindset. If you have a growth mindset, growth mindset is freedom. Perseveres in the face of failures. Effort is required to build new skills. Finds inspiration in others' success. Embraces challenges. Accepts criticism. Desires to learn and builds abilities. Wow. And and so I loved as we were reading this, and then this is really fun. Further down, um, it has... And this article is out of, as you look at, it is, let's see here, it's techtello.com is where the ar- article is, and it's fixed mindset versus growth mindset in techtello.com. Who's the author on this one? Or is it just, ha- I don't think it has the author. I don't know here. if it has the author, but from the book... Right. For those that may not know, Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck in her, her book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And that was, it was published a while ago. It was in yeah. 2006. This is from her book. It says um, how Carol Dweck sums up the two types of mindsets. She says, when you enter a mindset, you enter a new world. In one world, 
The world of fixed traits, success is about proving you're smart or talented, validating yourself. In the other, the world of changing qualities, it's about stretching yourself to learn something new, developing yourself. In one world, failure is about having a setback, getting a bad grade, losing a tournament, getting fired, getting rejected. It means you're not smart or talented. In the other world, failure is about not growing, not reaching for things you value. It means you're not fulfilling your potential. In one world, effort is a bad thing. It, like failure, means you're not smart or talented. If you were, you wouldn't need effort. In the other world, effort is what makes you smart or talented. You have a choice. Mindsets are just beliefs. They're powerful beliefs, but they're just something in your mind and you can change your mind. So I love that. So then it talks about five effective strategies to shift fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And as I read through these, I really looked at it and was like, this is all about streaking and being able to set a streak. Tell yourself a different story is is concept number one. Choose to tell yourself a different story. There's a lot of power in the story we tell ourselves. What do you tell yourself? Do you have a choice? Are you smart enough to learn new things? Do you feel challenges lift you up or bring you down? So she has this list. Instead of telling yourself these things, choose to say these things. And so instead of telling yourself, I am not good at it, choose to say, I can do better. I look at this and I'm like, there, so these are, it's telling you, these are things, this is what you should do. If you want to tell yourself a different story, you should say these things instead of these other things. Well, how do you do that? You, you can set a streak, set a streak every day to be like, okay, I'm going to choose to say one of these things to change my story. I'm going to choose to say, I can do it. I look Once at a day, it right now. I can choose to say, I want to try and not give up. You could have a list of things and say, my streak is to say at least one of these things to myself every day. Well, what I see is the B statement streak that we exactly. have. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You have, what because what is your streak? It's to write your purpose statement at least one time mm-hmm. daily yep. or something like that. Yep. And that's what I have as well. And it's, and part of that for me is I, 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 I want to be intentional in my actions. In mm-hmm. other words, I want to be somebody who is choosing on a daily basis, I'm being intentional about this. Yeah. Interestingly, just a little side note on this and related to it, talking with Whitney Johnson on mm-hmm. Disrupt Yourself, she even took it a little bit further and said, instead of I want to be statements, I am statements. I am statements. In other words, I am, if I look at these, I I am better. I, I, am, it, I am a continuous learner. I am a person who doesn't give up. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in that way, sometimes it feels like, well, aren't I imposter if I give up or do any of those things? However, what you're doing is making a statement of decision. Yes. I am going, I am this way. And that decision then has ramifications throughout all of your life. I have noticed that as I've switched from a, I want to be, which is I'm in the decision process, to I am, it has helped my growth mindset. It's helped me see that I can continue to grow. I am growing on a regular daily basis. And this this is what I love about how streaking is helping to create a growth mindset because we wrote the book and talked all about be statements. Yeah. I want to be. Think about who you want to be and talked about. It. And then now we don't write I want to be anymore. We write I am. I am. We've we've are growing and learning and and we're not fixed in oh that's what's wrote. That's what's in the book. That's what's printed. But we were able to say, you know what? Through our streaking, 
and meeting new people, we have had a different thought on that and we have grown. That yeah. thought has become bigger and has grown in that process. So growth mindset, it doesn't have to be fixed. One of the things that I think, not that I think, one of the things that's important to recognize is the difference between goals, streaks, and streaks. Which is number two, set learning goals. So this is interesting because I and think I would this say would have been learning streaks. I think they would have written this differently if they had streaking as a terminology and and a if they understood what it was and were using it. Because mm -hmm. this is what it said: set learning goals as a perform to form as opposed to performance goals. I'm going to read this and then we're going to say how how it's different if they had understood streaking. Commit to learning every day as opposed to seeking goals that prove your worth. For example, instead of setting a goal to lose 30 pounds. Commit to eating healthy every day. Instead of trying to score A on math, commit to practicing math every day. Instead of the goal of being a professional runner, commit to running every day. <laughs> so here we go. Streaking. If you look at it this way, it says commit to learning every day as opposed to seeking goals that prove your worth. So goal is an outcome oriented opportunity. And for and they said, you know, a goal would be to lose 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fine to set a goal in that way, but it's about your inputs. So instead of commit to eating healthy every day, it's set a streak. Set a streak. And what is your streak? I'm going to eat at least one salad every day. Right. I'm going to make at least one meal plan every day. Because what is that? It's committing to think about eating healthy every day. Mm -hmm. You're not going to eat perfectly healthy every day. You're, you're just not. but And so when you have this idea of I'm going to commit to eat healthy every day, sometimes that to me can be like, okay, but how do I do that? How do I commit to eating healthy every day? Because my outputs aren't going to be perfect right. and my inputs aren't always going to be perfect. So what does a streak say? A streak says, pick something laughably simple so that you are committing to thinking about that and doing something towards that every single every day. Every single day. And you're going to hit more by doing a little bit every day than you would by just having this amorphous commitment where you're like, I'm, I'm going to eat healthy. And honestly, what you just said is it is a concept. I'm going to eat healthy is a concept. Yes. Whereas a streak is an action. Is an action. So I know that there's some things that indicate healthy eating. Part of that is partaking of vegetables. We have a few streakers in so, the streaking app that are like, I'm going to eat at least one vegetable daily. One of my favorite things is every single one of these examples there are people on our streaking app that have streaks specifically towards these things. Right. I'm going to make a, the, all of the things that you brought up. I'm going to have a meal plan. You know, I'm going to prepare we a meal a streaker plan. That we does have that. a streaker that that's one of their streaks is to prepare right. a meal plan. I'm going to eat at least one vegetable daily. We, we have, have a streaker, streaker that, that is doing that. Doing that. Um, I'm going to, instead of trying to score an A on math, commit to practicing math every day. We have a teacher that has talked about how she has a streak in her class to help the fifth graders review and their math And what they do is they review every day. One, at least one math fact mm -hmm. every single day. And so it translates this concept into action and it appropriately puts in place a goal versus a streak. A goal is an outcome-oriented... Yes, a performance goal. A performance goal. It's outcome-oriented. And goals can be helpful in life. The inputs, the streaks, are what are going to be the floor of reaching for that goal. And that's where I love when you have the right terminology and the understanding and you're able to say, this is this tool that you use in this situation and this is this tool that I use in this situation. 
that allows for this growth mindset in my mind, being able to recognize, okay, am I needing a goal here? No, actually I need a streak here. Yeah. This is, I'm, I'm looking towards growth, which is long-term, not a performance, but there may be something that you look at and you're like, you know what? I'm signing up for a half marathon. That's a goal. I've got a goal. It can be built on the foundation of my streak because I love that was when instead of committing or instead of the goal of being a professional runner, commit to running every day. That's exactly what we did. That's was a streak, commit right? To running we just every said, day. okay, we set we're going to run How at least one time daily. We're going to run at least one mile six days a week. Exactly. That's what it is. And so, isn't that great? What I see also in these, so the, the five principles, tell yourself a different story, set learning goals. What I would say is set learning streaks mm-hmm. because that's what's going to get you where you need to be. Capitalize on your failures. This one was an interesting one because you have often felt like you're more of a fixed mindset Mm -hmm. than a growth mindset. But you have to tell the story about your feedback streak because that really was, I believe, the telltale sign of you shifting from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Which is an interesting thing because one of the things that they talk about on the fixed mindset is doesn't doesn't take feedback or doesn't take criticism very well. And that was one of the things that I noticed in myself. And and the power of that feedback streak that, that I really started to recognize, there's a whole bunch of areas, but it came in a conversation, a very simple conversation at a kitchen counter with a family member that was telling a story about a work experience. And as he's telling that story, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't take feedback very well because the, the story he was telling was about somebody that was like, she's really great, but she doesn't take feedback very well and it's hindering her progress. And and I remember thinking, I don't take feedback that well. And what's amazing is being able to take a simple conversation at a kitchen counter that, that sparked something inside of my head, a recognition of an area that I need to work on. Because of streaking, I was able to go home and think, okay, how can I do this? How can I take feedback better? Because, okay, I understand now when I looked at the infographic of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Okay, a fixed mindset doesn't take feedback very well. A growth mindset does. Okay, but now what? I know that. Now I know I need to take feedback. How do I get better at it? And that's where I set a streak. And it was great because it was intentional. I spent some time thinking and at first I was like, okay, seek and accept feedback daily. And I remember thinking, there's two things wrong with that. I don't want it daily. And two, exactly what does accept feedback mean? Which led me on this whole journey of recognizing that not all feedback is accurate. And what does accepting feedback mean? Does it mean that I accept that it is truth? Or does it just mean I allow the person to to say it? And I'm like, okay, I can accept that you had the opportunity to say that. And then I can evaluate where I stand on that feedback. All of this opened up to me setting a weekly streak to seek out feedback weekly, which has led me to reading books, which has led me to asking questions of people that I wouldn't have, which has led me to yesterday in the grocery store where my daughter's saying, you know what, mom, you could really use some work on delegation. You're not doing it very good. (laughs) And I remember being a little bit like, really? You think so? And then my second thought was, okay, check off on my feedback streak. I just got some very valid feedback. And being able to look at it and say, okay, is that true? Do I need to work on delegation? And thinking, yeah, I do. <laughs> so all of that. Which is part of a growth mindset. Which is part of a growth mindset. The, mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about a growth mindset is you're going to continue growing. It, it, it doesn't stop. You, there, you don't ever look at something and be like, all right, 
I have learned all I'm ever going to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm good. You we talked about accepting versus blocking and growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And to both apply these types of streaks that we're talking about. One of the, a couple of the other, choose Goldilocks tasks and be consistent and flexible. I know. Isn't that great? That in order to have a growth mindset, be consistent and flexible. One of the first things that it talked about, the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset is a fixed mindset avoids challenges and gives up easily. Whereas a growth mindset perseveres in the face of failures. And I thought about streaking in general. I'm like, Wow, streaking, just the act of streaking teaches perseverance Yeah, because you're looking at it daily. And then we had someone, we've often had people talk about, you know, what is a failed streak? What do you do when you fail at a streak? And I've thought so much about that because I've thought, what is a failed streak? I think the only failed streak is a streak that's working and you miss a day for some reason and you don't go back to it. You don't pick it up again. You don't pick it up again. You don't persevere. Yeah, But a streak that helps you learn that maybe there's something you're not interested in or maybe that thing that you thought was going to help you doesn't help you, so you stop doing that, that's not a failed streak. That's totally growth. Right, right. So what is failed streak? Failure is just not being willing to continue to persevere, to continue to embrace the growth. Mm-hmm. Streaking is all about perseverance and <laughs> that's how you persevere accepting I mean, it is, the small yeah. and simple and because what is your feedback streak now as you look it up um how many weeks in a row have you now been accepting or seeking out feedback um because that is i think the telltale sign of perseverance it's one of those where you can say re- record this is how much it is 105 weeks Really? So what is that, over two? That's over, over two, two years. years. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I just hit a year last week or yeah. two years last week. Yeah. So yeah, for two years. And the amazing thing about that, and I just feel like I can't say this enough, is to be able to take a simple kitchen counter conversation and actualize it. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, yeah, I need to work on feedback. And then life takes over mm-hmm. and you and you don't visit it again until several months later or until some experience that's awful that you're like, oh, I really got to work on feedback. <laughs> it's totally changed. And we've talked about this one a lot mm-hmm. um, in different podcasts, but I really think that there's so much power in this Absolutely. ability. Have you seen in yourself the change? Have you felt that from this streak you have gone from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset? Mm-hmm. I think that the, the things that I had mentioned earlier is when, when somebody does say something, I'm able to identify it as feedback. So there's times that I'm given feedback without asking for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I accept that more, even if it's just a little bit of the gamification that's like, oh, cool, check the feedback box. I just did that streak and I didn't even have to try. They just gave it to me. <laughs> so that alone right. can change the, you know, the way that you accept that feedback. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is just being able to recognize and look at it and think, okay, well, actually, I guess it's recognizing times that I do need to seek it out. Right. It doesn't always come. Right. Um, sometimes I do have to look at it and be like, okay, I need to look for feedback because I got busy and I didn't notice anybody giving me any. Right. So where we started this whole thing was with me and my admission Mm -hmm. of blocking versus accepting and also looking at growth mindset versus fixed mindset, what you said. Where I wanted to finish up as we come to the end of this 
fantastic podcast that I've really enjoyed with you talking and exploring these things is the streaks that each one of us have set have been around going from block to accept and from fixed Fixed to to growth. growth. And I look down at every single one of my streaks and recognize that that is what it's set to do. Read at least a paragraph in a nonfiction book. That's about growth. Mm -hmm. Um, Write at least one sentence daily. That's about growth. Interacting with people, you had asked me one time if or, or how I had gotten to a more accepting mindset or being able to even a growth mindset. One of the areas that I had a very difficult time with is when I would meet people, have an allergic reaction to them right away. And that allergic reaction was, ooh, I don't like this person very much. And that was bothering me. And it was very much a fixed mindset, Mm -hmm. very much a block, block and fixed mindset. And blocks are aggressive. And I could be rather aggressive with my blocks. So I started to look at and say, what can I do to change? And you had asked me this, what is one of the streaks that you've had that has changed you the most in regards to accepting people and continuing to grow? And one of the streaks that has helped me the most is praying for charity every single day with all energy of heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, sometimes it takes all the energy I have to pray for a specific person that I'll be able to see them as Christ sees them. I'll be able to appreciate them as Christ appreciates them or as God sees them. That has changed a lot of things in my life and Doing that now, I think I've been at it now for four years. I recognize that I've gained, I've made some progress, and I've got a lot more to go. Mm-hmm. And there's things that I can continue to do to be more accepting, more appreciative, have more charity, which is the pure love of Christ. What is it that I can do in my life? I can seek more significantly to have love and appreciation for those people around me. And it's, it's led to amazing things. Absolutely amazing things. I agree. And the ability to be able to see people for people, mm-hmm. to see the value that they have just as being a person, even though they may have characteristics or traits that initially rub you the wrong way. Right. Exactly. Accept and grow. That's what streaking is all about. As streakers, you look at this. If you have any comments or would like to share with us some of your thoughts around this, we would love to have them. Please email me, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie, J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. You can also download the streaking app and follow along as people share with you their progress in their particular streaks and really join the streaking community and celebrate with everyone their streaks. Because we can celebrate your streaks, you can celebrate their streaks. Download the streaking app and have it there. By the way, if you wouldn't mind setting a streak to share this podcast with at least one other person, uh, let's say monthly, maybe even weekly, make it laughably easy. Also rate this or review it online. We'd appreciate that. And as always, the book is available for you to be able to get more information on streaking anywhere books are sold. Until we talk again, keep streaking. It's a little